Hello, Frank Mickens is here with you one more time for Faith Fire Media. Praise the Lord. Listen, today we're going to talk about a topic that has been really bugging me a little bit as the Lord has been revealing to me this concept of Christian separatism. Christian separatism. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. That does have application. But what the Lord is showing me is there's another level of separatism that is not healthy. It is not revealing the heart and the power of Jesus Christ who came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to hang in there because this is going to help you understand what is going on in the spirit and how we need to be willing to repent and turn from this kind of mindset. Christian separatism is not of God. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us one more time. I am Frank Mickens, your host of Faith Fire Media. This is a ministry of Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries. I've got my Bible in front of me. If you've got yours, if you've got your app there, uh, you can go to Matthew chapter 11. Um, before we get to that, I want to just explain to you that the Lord is very concerned for the soul condition of his body, the soul condition of his bride. Jesus has a soul. He has a mind. He has thoughts. He has heart. a heart. He has emotions, and he wants us to take on his heart, his mind, his emotions, his desires. Amen. He wants us to be as he is. He wants us to walk as he walked. He wants us to become more and more like him over the course of time. And so he's always been concerned for the soul of the body of Christ. And this particular topic we're going to discuss today, Christian separatism, it's certainly a term you, you probably never heard. It's this term that if you go into history, this has historical application, but this is something the Lord has brought into my spirit of late uh, in prayer and in dreams. And so we want to talk a little bit about what the Lord is saying about this, because this is how we as believers can get off track. This is how we as believers can begin to get prideful. This is how we as believers can actually step out of evangelism and into religion and into tradition and into condescension and looking down on people. When the Bible says that we are to esteem others as better than ourselves, did you know that Jesus looks at you as better than himself? Jesus will never ask you to do something he does not do. And so when the Bible says esteem others better than yourself, that's what Jesus is saying about how his heart works. He sees others as better than himself. He does not play the role of being in the front. He put himself on a cross. Why? Because he sees you as more important than his comfort. Amen. So we need to know the gospel. We need to know the character, the heart, the person, the personality, the mind, the soul of Jesus so that we can become more like him. I do want to just say this Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries is a donor supported ministry. If you want to learn more about us, if you want to support the work that the Lord is doing through this ministry, go to faithfireworldwide.com. There you can also sign up for our email newsletter and get the word of the Lord to your email whenever the Lord is speaking to us. And we praise God for you. We praise God for your support. Now, I'm going to try to get through this as as expeditiously and efficiently as possible. And I want to start uh, with where the Lord began speaking to me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in prayer and I heard this word in prayer, Christian separatism. 
and it reminded me of a dream that I had had, and I had not had this dream in a long time. It actually surprised me when I went into my notes how long it had been since I had this dream. So I'm in prayer. I hear this term, Christian separatism, and in my heart, my spirit, in, in fact, I knew the Lord was speaking about some of the things that we're seeing in the earth right now, where we have people aligning with political movements. We have people within the church that are doing a lot of finger pointing. We have people in the church doing a whole lot of focusing on what the enemy is doing and the world is doing, how we need to be, you know, this way versus the world. And it's not versus. We are not at adversaries with the world. What we are is we are in allegiance with Christ. The Bible says, I'm going to go to John 3 real quick, just because I got to give you some word. I'm going to come back to Matthew 11. If you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 3. I want you to, to hear this because in, in John chapter 3, we know verse 16 very well. Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But listen to this in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, we know people have to believe. The next verse says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So, so here's what we know. People are condemned until they believe. You're condemned already. So when we're born, we're condemned until we come into believing into Jesus Christ. When you, you don't, You're not condemned until you have an opportunity to believe and you're at a, a particular point of faith having the opportunity and the capacity of faith to believe. So babies aren't going to hell and all of that. So I'm not going to get into that theology because that's something that we're not here for. But my point is that we're condemned already until we believe in Jesus. But watch what it says in verse 17. Even though God knew we were walking in condemnation, walking in our sin, it says in verse 17 that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Who is the world? People. God did not send Jesus to people who were condemned in order to keep them in condemnation. He sent his son so that they might be saved. So if you ever find yourself seeing, feeling, experiencing, hearing, being taught a gospel that looks down on people who do not believe in Jesus Christ, that is not Jesus Christ. Jesus made the word flesh. He came here. He pities us. He came close. He became as we are so that why? We can be saved. That's all he's about. Glory to God. Jesus is about salvation. He says, I came not to save the righteous, but sinners. So we've got to be careful in this hour. We are seeing things in the world going all manner of sideways. We don't need to get so captivated by what the enemy is doing and the kingdom of darkness is doing that we fall out of love, that we fall out of the ministry of reconciliation. This is what's happening. And if you pay attention to Capitol Hill and how Capitol Hill has this posture toward religion, particularly Christianity, they're using Christianity in some cases, not all cases, some cases as a weapon. I'll never forget the video I saw of a congresswoman standing on the steps of the Capitol screaming at a Democrat. She's a Republican. She's screaming at a Democrat because the Democrat supports abortion. And she's finger pointing, judging, condemning this woman. And then the woman who's a Democrat who is a supporter of abortion goes back and, and says to this congresswoman, she says, why don't you act like what you're taught in church? And this is what we don't understand. We cannot play this game of debate and get into this emotional stuff 
because the enemy has already gotten people prepared to fire right back. We've got to operate in the spirit. We've got to love people by the spirit. We've got to treat people as we want to be treated. Amen. Even people who don't agree, even people who are condemned until they come into salvation. So what am I getting at? Christian separatism in this uh, is this idea that it's better for us to just kind of do our own thing and then point the finger of everybody else until they come on our side. Or politically speaking, particularly, I'm going to use my religion as a platform, not because I'm saying this is the moral compass our nation should be ascribing to, but rather I'm going to use it to say, you got it wrong, get right. And that's how we are in this country a lot of times is we're so about our rights and our freedoms and our freedom of speech. I can do what I want. I can say what I want, but that's not that's not kingdom. The Bible says our words should be sprinkled with salt, seasoned with salt. The Bible says that we're the salt of the earth. The Bible says we should change the atmosphere. We shouldn't add to it. We shouldn't bring more chaos, more division, more fighting, more strife to an environment. No, where we show up, we should be peacemakers. We should be sowing peace. All right, Frank, what are you talking about? All right, Christian separatism dropped into my spirit. I was in prayer. Then the Lord reminded me I had a dream about fanaticism. Remember that word, fanaticism. I had this dream October 17th of 2020. And in this dream, I saw two approaches to the word of God. There was the true word of God. And this word of God was being made available to people who had a different gospel. So they're still proclaiming Jesus, but their gospel is different. And the person who had a different gospel was at a keyboard, which I do believe represents how this on social media and in the media is being disseminated. This this anti-world gospel where where people are condemning the world. That's not Jesus. We're going to get into the word in a second. So go to Matthew 11. We're going to go to the word. But I want to get this into your, your spirit that fanaticism is not gospel. Jesus was human as much as he was God. He felt as we felt. He experienced what we experienced. He wanted to be able to understand. He wanted to be able to walk in our shoes. His ministry began on the earth as the incarnate word with him becoming vulnerable, with him becoming subject to a woman and a man, with him becoming reliant on imperfect humans, being put in a position where he could be harmed, abandoned, rejected, mistreated. But because he trusted his father, his God, father, the, the, the father, Jesus is God, but he trusted the father. He could subject himself to a situation that others might consider dangerous. He didn't separate himself. He did the opposite. He came to us. Glory to God. Emmanuel, God with us. That is our ministry. We have been given this ministry of reconciliation. It is the same ministry Jesus has, and he wants us to walk this thing out. He says, occupy till I come. That means take territory the way I did. It means do what I did. Keep what I started going. When you occupy, you're you're doing something that's already been established. He already established his ministry. He came. (laughs) He became as we are. Amen, somebody. He became sin so that we might come the righteousness of God. So we've got to be as Paul when he says, I've become all things to all men that I might save some. Now, he said he didn't do sin, but he understood the principle of Jesus as human. Jesus 
became all things to us so that he might win us to himself and to the Father. That's the gospel. Jesus loves you. He proved it because he became as you are and died on a cross for your sins after living a sinless life, volunteering to take your punishment because he had the opportunity to volunteer since he didn't deserve your punishment. My God, what a beautiful God. What a beautiful gospel. So the word Christian separatism, it opposes Christianity. In Matthew 11, it shows us how we are to behave. We are to be in the marketplace, making melodies to people. The Bible calls people in the world companions. Listen to this. Matthew 11 and verse 16, Jesus says, these are red letters. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions. Listen. Being in the marketplace means we're not separating ourselves. We're not creating factions where we're not around other people. No, we're in the marketplace. We're where the people are. That's what Jesus did. He came to where the people are. Where did he go? He went to Galilee. This is where the people who were destitute, poor, rejected, maimed, blind, they weren't the insiders. They weren't the people that everyone wanted to hang out with. He became accessible. He presented Christ himself to those other people would have said, you don't deserve to see Christ. How many times did the disciples tell people, no, you don't need to go see Christ? They said that to children. No, keep the children over there. Jesus was not a separatist. Do you hear what I'm saying today? We've got to pray against this movement. We've got to pray that people learn the love of God. So here we are. And what does he call the people in the marketplace? He calls them companions. We occupy the same space. We're brothers. We have shared um, interests. So, so, so let's say I'm in Congress and I'm a Christian and, and someone next to me is not. Well, we have shared interests. We live in the same country. So maybe they don't see things the way I do because they're not in Christ. But I've got to figure out how does God want me to present himself as accessible to this person as I do the work that I'm doing in the marketplace? How do I see this person as my companion? How do I see this person as someone who I need to relate to? God, Jesus is relational. They came to the woman who had been caught in adultery and they said, Jesus, tell us what we should do. The law says this. Jesus started writing in the dirt. Why? Because he remembered that the letter kills. So we love to pull out the law on people, don't we? Let's just be honest. We like to have these conversations around the kitchen table. Man, did you see that thing on the news? Man, you know, the world's gone crazy. The Bible says and people just don't get it. Listen, that did not advance the kingdom. That conversation could have been a prayer. It could have been, Lord, we pray that you might open their eyes, that they might see, that they might come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might know you as the lover of their soul, that they might come to know you, Lord God. The yada, the Hebrew word yada means to know they may not may know you, that they might know you. Be That's what, what the heart of Jesus is. Jesus is the one that would, he would minister. I think it's in the uh, Gospel of Mark. He would minister early in the morning. He'd be worn out and he'd get with his father, then wake up the next morning, and go right back and minister. He wanted to be where the people are. And he sends you to do the same. Christian separatism is not of God. We are not to be separate. We are to be evangelistic. We are to bring good news. 
We are to be sent into marketplaces with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not to be combative. We are not to be dividers, but friendly and appealers, those who make an appeal, those who invite. What does Jesus do? He says, I come to the door and knock. Does he bust through the door and say, come to me or else? No, he, he waits for you to answer the door. That's how we should behave. We shouldn't be separatists. We should be knocking on the doors of people's heart. When, they see, when we see them going through something, we don't come in and preach at them and Bible thump. Jesus did not walk around just spewing Old Testament all the time. He spoke Hebrew. He spoke Greek. He spoke the language of the people. Amen, somebody. The separatist ideal is not of God. We are absolutely supposed to abide by the precepts, the principles, the heart of God. No point. No, no doubt about that. But within those principles is the idea that Jesus says, I did, you didn't choose me, I chose you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he died for who? The ungodly. Glory to Jesus. We need to stay in the book. We've got to get this heart. I'm so excited because this is how the word cuts and it divides between our soul and the spirit. Our soul's angry when we see sin. We get filled with this anger. We want to judge people. Our soul wants to go out and fix it like Jesus would. Just show up. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't flip the world upside down. Jesus didn't turn the Roman government upside down. No, he stood before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate's asking him questions. And at some point, Jesus just says, my kingdom is not of this world. And you would not have the power to do any of the, that which has been given to you except it had been given by my father. He trusted his father so much that he didn't have to fight Pontius Pilate. He knew he was set to die anyway, and he just agreed with the persecution. He agreed with the struggle. He agreed with the wrestling match. He agreed with the fiery furnace. He agreed. The Bible says, blessed are you when they persecute you. See, we don't like persecution. We don't like discomfort, but it comes with the gospel. And the gospel will fuel, be fueled by your persecution. Embrace persecution. Embrace discomfort. Embrace being an outsider in this world, being a peculiar people. Because being peculiar makes you stand out. That doesn't mean that you have to preach at people. It means that as you're relating to them, they'll notice the difference. This is salt. This is light. It'll challenge people because what? Holy Spirit's doing the work, not you. Glory to God. Listen, let's go to the word again. So there are companions. We're in the marketplaces. We are becoming all things to all men. And then in verse 17 in Matthew 11, it says, and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. Listen, the Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Relationship. We're playing the flute for you. And, and we're hoping that you'll dance. We're mourning to you and we're hoping you'll lament. He's saying we're relational. We are where you are. We're playing the gospel song to you, not by preaching, but showing you love. We're being on our knees in the dirt with you, mourning over the issues of this life so that you'll turn and lament your own sin and come to Christ. That you'll find hope in what we found, in who we found hope in. This is the gospel. 
It says, but to what shall I liken this generation in verse 16? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you. Glory to God. And you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. Whereas children, what are children? Innocent, playful, pure, humble. We're not supposed to be these ornery, hard-hearted people that bring the word of God with judgment. The word and the spirit are supposed to work together. So if I come with the word and the spirit's not influencing how I'm using the word, then that's not the gospel. You can preach in pretense. Now, the word is still preached, says Paul. But when I'm, pre when I'm preaching the word in pretense, I'm doing it for myself to look religious, to look right, to look strong to look above you you can preach the gospel with pretense and we got a lot of that going on because there's a lot of mixture a lot of people's agendas are not pure a lot of people's agendas are not just jesus being revealed that should be your agenda it should not be getting a certain person to office it should not be you getting a certain amount of money it should not be this or that jesus being revealed through you you having a life sermon where people see not you but jesus that's not separatist. That's relational. It's you playing the flute like a little child to your companions and saying, I hope you dance with me. It's you mourning and, and getting into the dirt, into the issues and the dark stuff with people and them seeing your heart being broken as theirs is broken and them literally lamenting and saying, how do I become more like you? Oh, let me tell you about this Jesus. We need to be more knockers. We need to be knocking on doors of people's hearts instead of trying to blow them down with politics and vitriol and what we type on Facebook. Remember, in the fanaticism dream, the people were on the person was on a keyboard with a different gospel. It's a different gospel. God is so good. I pray that the joy of the Lord is in you right now because this is a good word. So he says all of this. And then he says, for John in verse 18 came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. What is he saying? We're supposed to be as children playing the flute or mourners mourning with someone. Relationship. And then he gave examples. John the Baptist came and he didn't eat. He didn't drink. He showed you devotion, radical devotion to God. And you didn't like that. Well, so here I am, Jesus Christ, walking in the earth as the incarnate word. And I'm drinking and eating and I'm hanging out with tax collectors of people you think are sinful and, and, and rejected. I'm, I'm hanging out with people who are gluttonous and drink too much. And you're saying he's the friend of the wrong folk. And that's what I want you to be accused of. Lord, I pray this for me, that we'll be accused of being the friend of sinful people, that people will judge us and say, man, what are you doing hanging out with those folks? That is the gospel. It's good news to the poor. <laughs> Amen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. What did he say? To preach good news to the poor. Those who no one's paying attention to. That doesn't mean just poverty, poor in spirit, empty, broken, needy, void of life, seeking life in all the wrong places. Those are the people we're sent to. We're not separatists. 
And we love to get in crowds and point fingers and begin these movements, but this stuff is not of the Lord. He's showing it to us. And he says, at the end of verse 18, he says, but wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus is saying, being rejected by this world is not at all a condemnation of your ministry because wisdom will come out in the end. You walking in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is going to come out right in the end. People might think you're crazy. Oh, well, I'm not going to say that Republicans are always right because they believe this and Democrats are always right because they believe this. I'm down the middle. I might not even vote. I just want to love people like Jesus did. And people are going to say, whoa, man, you hang out with Republicans? Whoa, man, you hang out with Democrats? Whoa, you actually believe this and that? Yeah, I mean, I believe Jesus loves everybody. He came not to this world to condemn the world, but that those in the world who who don't know him will be saved. And so I become all things to all men so that I might win some. Bible which records in the book of Jude that some people we got to pull out of the fire. How do you do that? You got to get close to the fight, to the flames. <laughs> you got to get close to the flames. That, that's in the book of Jude. We've got to get in the fire with some folk. Amen, somebody. Separatism's not of God. Let me read you what the Oxford Dictionary defines as separatism. Quote, the advocacy or practice of separation of a certain group of people from a larger body on the basis of ethnicity, religion, or gender. Advocating to separate yourself from others based on religion is separatism, and it's not of God. We just saw it in the book. Elements or signs of a separatist movement. This came from Wikipedia. So, so when you're looking at a separatist movement, you'll know it's separatist um, by these signs, the perception that the state can no longer support one's own group or has betrayed their interests. Wow. We got a lot of that in Christendom. People looking at the government and saying the government no longer supports me as a Christian and have betrayed my interests. If you've spent too much time there, you can find yourself a separatist. Opposition to political decisions. Can can be a sign of a separatist, a separatist movement. Preservation of threatened religious language or other cultural tradition. So you can oppose being around other folks because you feel threatened in your religious tradition. But the father, we have the father, it's okay. Persecution will come. He promised us that we'll have persecution in this life. In this life, you will have tribulation, said Jesus Christ. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. He's already overcome the world. So why are we focused on the world? That's the devil's trick. Keep your eyes on the ball, Jesus. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Isaiah 26. Another sign of a separatist movement, emotional resentment and hatred of rival communities. This is where it gets real bad. We've got all these folk like Oath Keepers and others, and many of them are radical Christians. They've taken Christendom and said, I have now reason to, to bear arms, train, and be prepared for a war. Why? Because they have emotional resentment against people and hatred of people who don't agree with their version of Christianity. It's a separatist movement. It's not of God. 
Now listen, this is a sign of the last days, and we need to know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, leads you into all truth. He will not lead you into a separatist movement. Now, he, he won't say, don't protect yourself, protect your family, but he still sends us as he was sent to bring the gospel to people. Listen, 2 Timothy 3, let's go there. 2 Timothy 3, where the last days, we, we hear about this. There will be great peril. And we're going we're gonna to wrap up here in 2 Timothy. I hope this is blessing someone because, listen, the day and age that we are in right now, we need to know the word of God and we need to know our friend Jesus. So uh, 2 Timothy 3, he promises, but know this. He didn't say consider this because it might happen. He says, know this. In the last days, perilous times will come, will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. How can you have a form of godliness when you think you're doing God's will, but you're not? This is where we need to examine ourselves. Christian separatists believe they're doing God's work. They're passionate about Jesus. They just don't see Jesus for who he really is, a suffering servant, the one who came to die, the one who says, I have to go to the cross, the one who Peter rebuked, and then the Lord rebuked Satan and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you value not the things of God, but the things of men. That's the issue. We have a lot of people in Christendom that value the things of men more than the things of God. The things of God are unseen things. Oh, bless the Holy Ghost. Second Corinthians four tells us not to look on things that are seen, but the things which are unseen. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporary and the things that are unseen are eternal. So we've got to get into our word. We've got to learn Jesus's ways. He knew his body was temporal. That's why he didn't focus on it. He gave his body up because he knew it didn't matter in the end result. He knew his body was only a tool for him to bring the kingdom of God into the earth, that the eternal promises of God were unseen. So he had to put his faith and his trust in the father on what he had to do and accomplish for the father who's unseen. This is where we are in the body of Christ. So don't, I don't want you to read 2 Timothy 3 anymore thinking that it's only people who don't say they're Christian. It's, it's people who say they're Christian too. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, meaning they don't boast in their weaknesses and allow the grace of God to be sufficient for them. They find their strength in being right, in knowing God's word, having a church, having people follow them. A whole bunch of people show up to the concert that's not necessarily an element of the kingdom. It depends. Now, I'm not saying people aren't doing good work. I'm not bashing the church. What I'm saying is we have growing to do, all of us. The Lord is growing us up. He's preparing his bride. He loves us. He knew this would happen. He's been growing us up. Man, we had Christians thinking slavery was godly. So we've, we've come up. And we're continuing to grow in our maturation and understanding of Jesus Christ. You think that same spirit that allowed people to think that slavery was of God is not still in the land. That spirit's still in the land and it's convincing people, confusing people, lying to people, deluding people to believe that being a Christian separatist is the future. 
Oh, it's in the future, but it's not the kingdom. Two words I want you to focus on here, where it says in verse number four, that these people will be headstrong and haughty, stubborn and prideful. Christian separatism is an idea that you're more important than someone else. Now, the gospel is the most important message on the planet. It's why we exist. God brought us into existence so that we might come to know the gospel, right? Our generation exists because he's still working on filling the earth with his glory. If, it, if the earth was already full of his glory when I, before I was born, I would not be here. There would be no need for him to, to redeem further the earth. We don't have to go that far. My point is this. People who are, who are advocating for Christian separatism, which is, just to remind you, advocating for separation from a larger body based on religion. People who are advocating that we should come out from among them, do our own thing, and just fight. Those are headstrong people and they're haughty. They're prideful people because they're not doing what Jesus did. Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but to become fashioned like a man. Wow. He found it to be a blessing to leave heaven and come here. He didn't consider himself a victim. If you ever find yourself feeling a victim, you need to pray because that little seed right there can cause you to become, become um, hateful toward people and resentful, which is a sign of separatism. We got to be careful. And we don't want to have a form of godliness. We want to know the Lord and we want to be in the Lord and we want people to see the Lord in us and through us. Holy Spirit is in you. But there is an enmity between your flesh and the Holy Ghost. And sometimes you might not be able to tell adequately and accurately that your flesh is taking over because you've seen it before. You've seen people act a certain way and you think that's right. Oh, well, you know, of course we bash the people who are gay. Of course we bash the people. Of course we point fingers at Democrats. Of course we point fingers at Republicans. Of course we point fingers at black people. Of course we point fingers at Hispanic people. They just haven't figured out Jesus yet. Pray for them. Well, pray for yourself to have an adequate and accurate idea of who Jesus is. He's one who came eating and drinking and he was accused of being a friend of tax collectors, wine bibbers, and gluttons. That's because he was hanging out with folk that couldn't stop eating, couldn't stop drinking, and stole from people. He was bringing himself to them. He wasn't bringing himself to the religious folk who wanted to what? Separate themselves from the normal folk. He didn't hang out with those cats. In fact, those were the cats that he would criticize because they should know better. He rebuked them and chastened them and said, nah, man, you're putting, you're weighing people down with all of these requirements that they can't meet. And you don't even do the things that you're saying they should do because you're a sinner too. And Jesus was rebuking them because they did not have the heart of God. Even though they had all this word, they've been reading the word, but they were pharisaical, meaning they thought they were better than other people. The law, I know the law like nobody else. I sit in the best seat. I pray long prayers. I beat my chest to say, I thank God that I'm not like this man, this tax collector next to me. And then we leave the house of God unjustified because we're proud and headstrong. We're haughty and headstrong. I'm not presenting this to you as saying it's you. I'm saying if this is not you, pray. If it is you, repent. We've got to grow. 
The earth needs people presenting the humble Christ. What are the first two elements of love, which is Jesus? 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind. Glory to God. Listen, I'm going to wrap up for now. I praise God for you being here. I've got so much word to release. Please sign up for our email newsletter and you can get these to your inbox. And um, I just pray that it blesses you. If you want to support this ministry, we're going to be doing some evangelistic efforts here in North Carolina, getting to the streets, bringing people the gospel of Jesus Christ through outreach here in our city. And uh, we really need partners. We really could use their support. I'm not begging you. I'm just presenting it to you as an opportunity. FaithfireWorldwide.com is where you can um, support us. Also, if you want text alerts, Text FAITHFIRE to 55498 and you'll be informed of when we're going to be going live. And I praise God for you. FAITHFIREWORLDWIDE.COM is where you can find us. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Until then, God bless. In fact, before that, let me just pray. Father, I pray you seal this word into our hearts. I pray that the hearts of those who hear this, those who, who have patiently waited through and listened through this word, will find this seed deep in the soil of their heart that it might bring forth a bountiful harvest, the 30, the 60, the 100-fold in their lives. That's the love of God overflowing in their life. That's the presence of God overflowing in their life. The character of God overflowing in their life. You overflowing in their life. You overtaking them so that they take on more of your life, your presentation, your face. May we be more like Moses, that he spent so much time with you on his knees, on his face, sitting at your feet, listening to your words, that he came out with a different face. His face was covered with light. And his example was so thick that his servant Joshua would stay in the tabernacle when he came out because he wanted to be with this God that he saw Moses spending so much time with. He was changed because he saw Moses' devotion, Moses' life sermon, Moses' love for God. May we be as those who lived like that. We're playing the flute in the marketplace to our companion. We're as little children asking people to dance. We're mourning with people not using their issues as opportunity to Bible thump and look down on them, but we mourn with them. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice so that we can be human and carry the gospel, not religious. I come against that spirit of religion, God. You said that the traditions of men make the, your commandments of none effect. And Lord, we just can't be there. Deliver us from this. I pray that if someone is struggling with this right now, they don't even find what I'm saying to be pertinent or they don't understand. I pray that you bring clarity by your word and your spirit that they might understand. And if they're walking in this posture, I pray that they will repent. I just pray that we'll turn away from every man-made thing, that we will not create idols, but that we'll just go to the mountain and sit with you. This is my prayer for the entire body of Christ all over the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next week. Thank you.